everyone, and welcome to the Dancing Bear Enlightenment Academy Holistic Transformation Podcast. Today we have a wonderful guest speaker, Marion McSpadden. She is a coach and global connector. She escaped a religious cult in the dark and continued her education to graduate with a bachelor's degree. She developed a break-free coaching program and is a speaker at times sharing the stage with New York Times bestsellers Suzanne Evans and Larry Winget Helps. She helps entrepreneurs explore ancient past in Israel to discover future possibilities. Wow. Welcome, Marion. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, so tell us your personal journey. I mean, it sounds pretty intriguing. <laughs> How did that happen? And uh, why have you become a coach? Why is this now your passion? Well, my journey starts like everybody else. I was born in a culture and an environment. And what I knew is what I knew. And when I was four years old, I was number six of eight children <clears throat> born in a rural uh, country area. And in the early 60s, uh, 70s, I was four years old and I had a tricycle while all my older brothers and sisters had a bicycle and on a beautiful June afternoon on a Saturday they were all given permission to go to the neighbors about a mile and a half away and we lived along this small country black topped narrow road in the middle of this beautiful lush growing June green corn crops maybe grass on the road banks with a beautiful blue sky and not much of a wind, a little breeze, but not much of a wind. So they are getting ready to leave on their bicycles and I've got a tricycle. So I get ready to leave on my tricycle, really wanting to go as well and firmly told, no way, you can't ride your tricycle. You couldn't keep up with us and gave, us all the, gave me all the reasons why I had to stay. So I did until they topped over that quarter mile hill and as they were on the other side i head out the driveway heading that same towards that same hill as they did on my tricycle and i'm going as fast as i can because i know if i was seen discovered by my mom or dad or an aunt that lived up the road that they would tell me to come back or come get me so i am going as fast as i can I top over the brow of that hill and I remember feeling the wind in my face and my little legs were pumping on those bicycle treadles and you know we all have an early childhood memory we all can remember things that somewhere we started out with experiences we started out with um, our first cultural influences and something sort of big happened for me I am delighted. I know where I'm going. I am pumping those little pedals. The wind's blowing on my dress. And I come to this little brick house and there was a car parked in the short driveway and a man standing next to it. He was our neighbor. He sees me and he reaches out his big hand and he takes my tricycle and pulls me into the driveway. He puts my tricycle in the trunk of his vehicle and me in the back seat and takes me home. I was not happy. And so where's your tricycle? You know, we all have dreams, goals, ideas that we want to reach. And sometimes there's a great big hand of somebody else's words, a disappointment, 
um, you know, a, a slap that we never expect to get and it can knock us off course. And it can be like we have our tricycle in the trunk of fear and we're sitting in the back seat and fear's driving us. Or it might be um, the ugly taskmaster of we can't even rest anymore because we're so driven to get things accomplished. That can be a bad master and we're sitting on it. So wherever it is, we all start from somewhere. And that was one of my first memories that I have of a, of a disappointment. And I now use that as an example to say, where's your tricycle? Who's driving your dream and your life? And where would you like to go that you still have yet, yet left to discover? Wow, that's a powerful story. <laughs> and, and I'm glad that it didn't block you because, you know, some people might have said, oh, well, I can never go anywhere because I'll be blocked. And you didn't let it block you. You kept going. I, you know, at that age, I was taken out of it. I couldn't control that paw on my tricycle mm -hmm. and my, my tricycle was taken from me. However, 30, you know, 29 years later, I made a break where I sort of rode my tricycle out of that culture and the, the belief system that I grew up. I didn't have a car. And this is sort of irrelevant to me, my story, because we all are influenced by our culture. My culture was mm -hmm. just, we don't drive cars. We have a horse and buggy. We don't wear um, dresses that you could buy at a store, pants. You wear the homemade dresses that fit the mm -hmm. culture style. You don't cut your hair. You don't wear jewelry. You wear you know, a head covering as a, as a female. And there were many um, things that were normal for me and I was okay with that. I was a country girl. I'm a little bit adventurous. You know, if you if you give me a little space, I'll probably take it in a lot of um, adventurous levels. And so as I journeyed, I became a school teacher in that culture. I went to the same school, grades one through eight, no electricity. Then I became a school teacher in that same environment for seven years. Loved being with the kids, loved teaching the kids, uh, have lots of good memories in that. And then I, I became an aunt many times over. I was single. I had not been married. And then I became a midwife and I helped women birth their babies in their homes. Those who would choose that. They had options. They had choices. So there's lots of beautiful things about the culture. But on the spiritual side and on the emotional side, my life was not working so well. And as the responsibility and there was some bitterness and jealousy that took root, um, I started going down. So what made you want to break away and why in the middle of the night? I didn't know that I wanted to. It was mm -hmm. that breaking that brought me to a place of saying I need help. And I, there's nothing that would have made me say, I'm going to leave this, except the breaking. And when I came to that broken place where I couldn't survive without help, I started reaching out. And the only way I knew to reach out was the people that I knew and cry. And so I cried privately. I cried in my pillow at night. I take walks in the daytime because I was very mm -hmm. pretty energetic and I mm -hmm. cry on those walks, just cry my heart out and not know how I could survive. 
because it was so heavy in here. Mm -hmm. Not that my life was that difficult, but the weight on the inside, the oppression, depression was, was taking me down and the, the behaviors that I had learned. And I cried out, not knowing who could help me crying out to God, not knowing he could help me. All I knew of God was he was this faraway person who, if I didn't do right enough, would possibly throw me into hell. And I didn't know how to go there. So I tried to be good, but I never knew if I was good enough. And in that search of tears, I smile about it now, but it wasn't funny then. No. <laughs> <laughs> tears and grief, actually. It was a grieving process I went through. People started coming in my life and people gave me a little bit of information nobody said you should do this or that it was just enough of information to help me take a step forward and through that process i got connected with god in a way that i didn't know was possible mm. and it was like another force had taken over here and when that would have full space it was the most peaceful the most loving the most wonderful experience that you might warmth, peace, just calmness. But I had to fight really hard to know how to learn how to get in that space because everything was trying to oppress and crush me in my own mindsets, my beliefs, and nobody around me knew how to help me either. So in that so how did seeking, you get help? Oh. I'm sorry. <laughs> As I said, so how did you get help? <laughs> it was through a variety of people that came mm -hmm. into my life in various ways, various backgrounds. It was the most amazing experience to seek and then you're given the help and you had to take what whoever it came from and sort through who is now helping you forward or who is a pull you back, draw you back, take you mm -hmm. down the wrong path. And I started trusting God. And in that process, as I started trusting God, and I said, God, you open doors and you close doors because you know it all. I don't. I put my trust in him. And it 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 just bloomed like an open doors. Now I'm still crying because I love and I feel like I'm going. And in that journey, I was talking to a friend like I'm talking to you. And I said, you know, I've never told an adult this story. And when I did, the words she said back to me were, I was raped when I was five years old too. And I never put language to it. And I was crushed. It just, I, I went out like, out cold. I didn't, I didn't have any consciousness awareness except two things that were downloaded into my heart and my soul. And one of them was that I would have to confront the person that did that because I knew my story and I was going to be going. I didn't know where, didn't know how or when, but I followed again. The help that came was enough to help me take one step forward. And I cried my way through that. And when the final day came, I had wound down, I would say wound down, that may be wrong language. <laughs> when I had delivered all the babies and helped the moms I had committed to, I didn't take on anymore and I, I uh, completed the ones I had. And when the time was right, I confronted the perpetrator 
and wrote him a letter of forgiveness, but also awareness. I remember that this happened and the words that were said back to me was, yeah, I did that, but I didn't hurt you. And those crushed my soul. I was prepared for denial. I was prepared for perhaps anger or maybe just complacency of leaving me hanging, but I wasn't prepared for those words. And I still continued the journey and I had bought a car and had a driver's license pre-bought, but somebody had to help me because I was too broken. I would have never been able to manage that trip on my own. And so that's how I left. I delivered a letter to each of my family members, uh, raising an awareness that I had concerns for children and I wanted them to be safe and that I was going. And I left them a post office address and closed the door behind me. And they didn't know where I was for nine months. And those were hard nine months. I still cried. There's still lots and lots of tears but I continued to bloom and blossom and learn, learn new things, learn a new culture and try to find a community. And every time I thought I'd find a community, it again was temporary. So I wanna speak to everyone that is listening. If you're growing, if you're on a journey and it's like, you know, I thought this is where I was gonna camp. I thought this is where I'm gonna stop. Sometimes it's not, sometimes if we would camp there, we would not realize, we'd have no way of knowing what we missed out on because yeah. we have now camped. So as I grew and I moved forward, I was giving new community, but it was always sort of painful. It was never the camping place. It was never the place to stay. And because of that, I have continued to grow, continued to educate, continued to learn. And we can start learning at whatever age we are. I took piano lessons at the age of, what was I, 42 or something like that. I traveled to Europe and I traveled to Israel, you know, being in my 40s and doing things I never dreamed that I would ever be able to do like hike six hours in the beautiful pristine Switzerland Alps by myself because my husband couldn't go with me and it was either do that or stay home. So there's been amazing experiences, but it's also been a journey of somewhat, um, I'm not sure if I can come up with the right word today because I had a niece that I was very close to, several nieces, and I was with this niece many days of her life and she was six years old when I departed and because of the cultural difference and people's choices she was unable to come visit me and tonight she is coming with her two children and staying at my house for the night so I guess I've got a smile that's probably not going to go away I'm excited uh, grateful the the opportunity to now expand into gathering people to journey to Israel and explore the ancient past and discover what future possibilities are still to be found within us no matter how successful of an entrepreneur or business person we've been and build relationships with people that um, will help us in our destinies in our future and so Thank you for this opportunity to share. And I truly am grateful today. Well, it took great courage to just walk away from everything you knew, your family, friends, your culture, everything, especially when you grew up in such an isolated culture, you really didn't know anything outside of that culture. And to have the courage to say, you know, this isn't right and I'm gonna change my life. 
that's really an awesome story. You didn't let it uh, beat you down or control you. You took control of yourself as soon as you were old enough. That's really, really awesome. So people come to you for help. So what, what are the common things you see with the people who come to you? Well, sometimes it is the courage part. They know they want to grow in something, but it is it takes courage to great risk to mm -hmm. take that next step sometimes. And everybody's individual. You know, some people are happy to stay where they're at. They work hard and they take risk and they come to a certain place and that's where they'll stay. I love working with the people who say, I want to grow. And when you're going to grow, it, I discovered that the steps that I took, <clears throat> excuse me, in my journey was I had to identify something's not working. Something is not fulfilled in my life. Okay, what is it? Oh, I see it. I've got a broken heart. I need some heart healing. I need some heart surgery, mm. <laughs> emotional heart surgery. I need some love and life to come into my uh, very existence of a being. So how am I going to do that? I don't know, but I make a decision that I'm going to change it. And that formula will work for everyone, but you have to look at the hard things and say, yeah, not so cool in my life. And maybe your life is pretty cool, but you're starting to get some discontentment. And if you can take that discontentment again and look at it and say, why am I discontented? What do I want? And then when you can decipher it is make a decision that you're going to change it. Either you're going to stay the way you are or you're going to make a decision to change it. When you make the decision to change it, it's going to require something more of you. And that is you'll need to make a plan. Mm -hmm. And that's what I work with people. You know, we I work with entrepreneurs mostly because it happens to be my world and my space. And, you know, entrepreneurs are parents. Entrepreneurs are working with other people. And if we wouldn't have to deal with people, life would be a lot easier, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But we need each other. <laughs> then once you have your plan, then you start out. And when you start out in that new journey, it's not all going to work out. And therefore, that's why I wrote a book, pretty much everything you try doesn't work. Because what I discovered, not everything that I tried worked. I started out with a whole new world to explore. And the way I thought things were going to go wasn't always the way it went. And I would have had lots of reason to just quit life, just quit. Yeah. But I chose not to. Every Good. time when that breath of fresh air came, I would turn my sails and grab it. I grabbed that energy, that wisdom, that knowledge, that peace that was missing. And I would grow again. And sometimes it meant I had to leave the people that I cared about and people that were sort of my community. And I had to move on again. And that was really hard for me because I was a community girl and I wanted community and, and people to be with. And I think that's part of the reason why I like tourism. I love to watch other people enjoy new things, experience mm -hmm. awesome mm -hmm. ahas. Mm -hmm. I love to see it in children and uh, to have adventure myself. Um, those 
things and being with people who are excited and moving forward. That is wonderful. So one more step in my five step plan was, you know, first you identify what it is, then you make the decision, then you make the plan, and then you know it's not all going to work out. And the last step is you don't quit because that will take you to your payoff. Never say die. You only fail when you quit. (laughs) That's really awesome. Yeah. I used to live near an amusement park and I used to love to go there and just sit and watch people. (laughs) Very entertaining to watch people. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So with all this work you've done and all the really massive change you had to make, changing your culture, changing your belief systems and helping people. How has this now impacted you personally? Well, it it's, I'm at a new stage again. I'm leaving a season and coming into a new season. And again, have to stage myself, you know, um, choose to grow again choose Mm -hmm. to embrace risk again Mm -hmm. and um you know launch the gathering of the people and it's sort of you know it can look daunting but when i remember that i've taken risk before and those that are listening you've taken risk before and if you take a risk that's calculated and you walk in grace every day and not try to run faster than what you can then grace will walk with you because there is something of timing you know the difference between lettuce and garbage yeah about two weeks (laughs) timing right so there is something about timing and we want to stay in the timing of the way that our plan is is going and somehow i've never looked back and doubted that i didn't seize the timing that was for me to make that mm-hmm. tricycle trip in the dark it wasn't a tricycle but oh. i made that i took my tricycle i took i, I went into the driver's seat and i made a decision i moved do you ever go back and visit i do after nine months, I told you I closed the door for nine months because I was, I needed healing. I needed to be able to communicate with people that I really loved and I didn't want to lose the connections, but I didn't have language. I didn't have the words. And I knew that I knew that it was going to be now or perhaps never. It, it wasn't like you can play around with this and get to it when you feel like it. No, when I would have felt like it, I would never, never done it. Mm-hmm. It was like, I know it was a little bit of fight or flight and I had to do the flight and go. But I wa- there was a grace with me as I walked. And I think where I'm at now is I, when I've become afraid, because sometimes I'm sort of still alone. You know, there's still a piece of me that desires a family. And in many ways, I am sort of alone. There's not a lot of people really with me. And I have to be okay with that and trust that if I walk in grace, the people that I need will be there when I need them, just like it has been in the past. Yeah, 
Very true. Very true. So was that the hardest decision you ever made or is there something else that was harder? That decision to walk away from two little girls, especially that I was extreme, extremely dear and near to my heart. And I, I would have never, there, there's nothing that would have pried me away from them other than this divine unction, divine urge. And now, 20 years later, she is going to be at my house tonight. This is, you, you caught me in a very special time. That must be really wonderful to look forward to. Yeah. Um, so um, what, what do you think would help the world most, most at this time? Well, we want to fix the world quickly and suddenly. And usually fixings come with some effort and people coming together. So I think, um, you know, finding ways to heal you know, if we have to be the people that cause division rather than, you know, when I experienced God's love, there was a, a love that also saturated my heart that I was then able to exude to others. And I've been told by various people in multiple places in my journey is that I have a very compassionate heart. And part of that is experiences that I had I had as a child, and I became very compassionate, very young. But I also had other sides to me. I could bottle up anger, and then my anger would explode at the wrong time sometimes. Yeah. And it wasn't great. But there was also this really tender, compassionate heart. And I think as I healed, and all the things that were pushed down, they finally had a release, they had they were given a voice, and I got to heal from all the traumas that were piled on top of trauma after trauma, and it got all pushed down. If the world could cleanse itself, the people could cleanse themselves and turn loose what doesn't serve them anymore, and receive the love of God the way I did, that then gave me the ability and the grace to love others. So I still hear many times that there is um, uh, there is something that comes from me. It's it's something that can be felt, and most you know maybe it's across the camera too. But people that I'm close to, or I hug or something, a lot of times, and that's not me. That is something that has been deposited through me by me being cleansed of what didn't serve me and being filled with something that I can now give to others. And if the world could experience what I did, I think it'd be a beautiful world. Well, that sounds I, really arrogant, but it's not me. <laughs> no, I agree with you. <laughs> I agree with you completely. And I think something you said earlier really brings it home. You forgave everybody because until people forgive, they can't even begin to move on. And you did that right away. I did. I don't know why I was so fortunate to get those tools and that information, but I was seeking. And I think that's part of it. If, if we're not seeking, we probably won't find. 
Well, that's true. <laughs> that's an old Bible quote. Seek and thou shalt find. Yeah. <laughs> Ask and thou see, shalt receive or whatever. Yeah, yeah, you'll probably find that there'll be information, but then we can't be, af be afraid to investigate something new and, and, you know, be somewhat vulnerable. Yes, exactly. Very good. So do you have some um, coping and healing uh, things or technologies or techniques that you uh, recommend for people? Well, just recently, have you ever drank water when you've been extremely thirsty? Mm -hmm. I mean, like it's a hot afternoon. You've been on a bicycle ride for two hours. You haven't had water. You're hot. You're sweaty. And somebody hands you a cold, not icy cold, just a good cold glass of water, and and you are hot. Do you know how you would drink that? In big gulps. <laughs> and what would your body posture be? I don't know. You tip your head back. Oh, yeah, that's true. You take a deep breath. You cannot gulp water like that without expanding your abdomen and your chest muscles kind of go back because you're like, and you're drawing in a breath. Recently, God said to me, drink deeply. Mm. And this is, you know, I, I know breathing techniques and this works wonders. It's, it's breathing in the energy of something that is more powerful than we are. Yeah. And when you do, you're opening up everything and now you're saturating your cells you're saturating your brain cells and something amazing happens when you do that and then learning to release that and be like a river of water you know connecting with the ancient pathways of rivers like every country has been built on major rivers Every major country, every country, major city was built on a river for roadways. We are 60, 70% water. When we drink deeply and we release it, we become a river of life. Yeah, and I think, uh, well, there's some old Buddhist traditions where you breathe in and the good stuff and let the ex, the negative stuff go. When you breathe really deep, you're getting all that old air out of your lungs and uh, really rejuvenating all aspects of yourself. That will also happen, but that is sort of like the cleansing, but you also want to think yourself as a pathway for you to consume God, you to consume the, 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 the energy that comes from something outside of us because we are just kind of, you know, put together with dirt right because we go back to dirt the components of us and when you learn to drink that in and release it that is i think it's been 20 years of learning for me to do that in various ways you know various hands-on treatments that i've had just become fully aware and i don't know of anything more powerful other than to be a seeker and to learn to drink deeply and do it you know even today i had a busy day had a busy day yesterday good things but busy and it became i, I can go back to old patterns of sort of shutting down kind of like you're sipping out of a straw you're kind of mm -hmm. going down you're inward but when you drink 
deeply, you are changing everything about you. And you don't care if that water runs on your body because you're hot. That's how you want to consume this good, like let it become a part of you. And the more we do that, then we are releasing something to others that is good. That's really powerful and very good advice. So how can people learn more about the work you do? Well, they can reach out to me through Marion. Well, let me give you MarionMcSpadden.com or EverythingYouTry.com, which is a part of my book. Pretty much everything you try doesn't work. EverythingYouTry.com will take you to my website. And then I have five steps to break free that I shared with you earlier. And that is at EverythingYouTry.com forward slash break free. So that's a free gift that you have for everyone? I do, yes. Wonderful. So that's everythingyoutry.com forward slash break free one word. And yeah. for those of you on YouTube, the links will be down below. Um, so do you have any closing words for us? I would say don't ever, ever settle for the back seat. Don't ever settle to leave your tricycle in the trunk or put anybody else's tricycle in your trunk and them in your back seat and be driving their lives. I think the freedoms that come from giving other people grace, whether we agree with them or not, but giving them grace to be who they are, as long, of course, they're not harming people. But I'm just talking about, you know, our, our sometime or sometimes our, uh, what is the words or stupidity <laughs> you know people have to put up with me too I got you know everybody's got quirks right so if we can be gracious to each other's quirks and drink deeply and release that good um, that is that's what I've got nice very good well it's wonderful talking to you today and hearing your story it's a great I'm, I'm glad you were over you were able to overcome it so wonderfully and now able to help so many people. So everyone, thank you for joining us today and remember to be the light you want to see in the world.